Welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. This episode is brought to you by Pragma. Pragma is a back-end game engine founded by the engineering leaders who built the platforms for some of the largest live service games, including League of Legends, Fortnite, Destiny 2, and Plants vs. Zombies 2. Pragma powers services like accounts, matchmaking, and player data for the world's most ambitious live service games. The Pragma backend game engine is the only solution that is truly extensible so that game designers aren't blocked by clumsy black box designs. With Pragma, studios no longer need to hire a large backend team and get the ultimate peace of mind that their game will always be ready to scale. To learn more, simply head to pragma.gg or check out the link in the show notes. And with that, let's jump into the episode. So welcome everybody to another episode of the Navic Gaming Podcast. We're back with another Data Corner discussion and this will also be the final one of this uh, mini segment. So this time we decided to focus it on a topic that's a little bit more future facing and also a little bit exciting given the current big trends in games. And the topic is essentially AI analytics. While preparing for this conversation, I ran across Gartner's analytic ascendancy model. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. It's a very interesting framework. But the framework basically says that on a value versus difficulty graph, there are four types of analytics that sharpen hindsight, reveal insight, and also create foresight. These four types of analytics are, number one, descriptive analytics, which basically explains what happened. Diagnostic analytics, which explains why did it happen. Predictive analytics, which explains what will happen. And finally, prescriptive analytics, which explains how one can make it happen. <laughs> and from a gaming analytics standpoint, gaming studios of all sizes and analytics capabilities live on various points of this framework and employ each of the four analytics types to varying degrees. But AI specifically has the potential to act almost as an exoskeleton over here and elevate all aspects of this framework, and especially for the gaming industry. And that's what we are here to talk about today. And to do this, we are joined by two great guests. First, and now making his fifth appearance, <laughs> is uh, Elad Levy, founder of Dive, which is a BI as a service company that focuses on solving game studios' data problems with highly contextual analytic solutions. So welcome, Elad, again. Thank you, Manu, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Nice. And second, we have someone new. He, his name is Daniel Berdichevsky, who used to be Platika's VP of Data Science and Products and is now a data management consultant who also serves on the board of various companies. Great to have you with us also, Daniel. Great, Manu. Hi there. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. So hi. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, since my intro was very brief and also Elad has been here a few times, I'd probably love listeners, love the listeners to get to know Daniel a little bit better. So Daniel, could you briefly tell us about your journey into games, your path within Playtika itself and what you're doing today? Also, I know you're Elad's childhood friend. So if you'd like to tell us more about how Elad was growing up versus how he is today, we'd love that also. <laughs> To tell you the truth, Elad is the same. We were born in the same city, and you see we are both bald and a little beard, so it's, it's the genes <laughs> or the atmosphere in the city. I'm not sure, but Elad is a great fan for years. By the way, I think, Elad, you are the one that at age 15 helped me to understand what is a PC and how is it built out <laughs> built off, and uh, that was my entry to the technology world. Side note, anyway... So hi, I'm Daniel, and my journey started in 2007 as a BI, a data engineer. I was working for a professional services company for three years. 
around 25 projects in those three years. It was hard, amazing, but I learned a lot in those years. In different uh, domains, retail, e-commerce, uh, customer success, automotive, and many more. After three years, a good friend of mine and myself founded T-Person, a boutique uh, data services company. We started with BI and data integrations, pipelines, analytics. Uh, uh, later on, after building good infrastructure, uh, we started to to help our customers also with the cherry on top, with the analytics, with the low-hanging fruits, with the different types of data mining those days, <laughs> clustering, segmentation, predictions in different heuristics and, and uh, models. We had uh, some statistical background and also technical background, but I think the, the secret sauce of those days was the uh, business focus. Since we were like a boutique company, we first tried to understand from our stakeholders what do they want? Okay, exactly. And then the technical challenges, we solve them in different uh, ways, much less data than these days. <laughs> Big data was not with all the Vs, volume, variety, Same principles, less data. But the same principle, exactly. exactly. And the same, uh, same goal, ROI. Or <laughs> um, efficiency and sometimes. Uh, we started to give services to different companies. There I first started to work with games and online gambling as well. We noticed the, the challenges and the interest in, in the user-based B2C type of, of domains. And in 2012, I got a phone call from Elad. He informed me that he opened up a new startup, a new game, House of Fun. I remember he told me, listen, we're doing great, but we have no clue what's going on inside except the top numbers. So I sat with my team for a night or two and we, we generated some insights and it was great. From that point on, we gave uh, services to House of Fun. Uh, House of Fun grew rapidly, not because of me, because of the, of the game, the timing, etc. And in 2014, while they were growing, we were going with them while working with other games and companies as well in different types of data solutions. 2014, I think Playtica purchased House of Fun and I joined after a year with two of my team members into Playtica in House of Fun as VP Data. First, I started as director of data engineering, mainly like building the infrastructure, then uh, it worked quite well. I was appointed as VP Data, managing business analytics, game economy, the first data science team, BI, VA. And in those days, it's, we wanted to integrate our solutions with the roadmap, the product roadmap of the game studio, and also a data product. I think 2017 was the first data product uh, member that joined our team. It was a great addition. 2018, I moved to, uh, to Playtica, the technology department serving all games, entire portfolio of Playtica, trying to integrate AI solutions to all of Playtica's portfolio as VP AI products, later on as VP data products, building experimentation platforms, uh, data warehouse. It was before the IPO and marketing, etc. 21, I left Playtica. And in the last three years, I'm helping different types of companies, game studios, mid, small, with any data-related challenge. Some, some of them are organizational, some of them are AI, A-B testing and infrastructure, right. working with Dive as well. Awesome. Great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for that the full timeline over there. I think that, yeah, just charts out your career and also charts out the career really well, but also just kind of showcases why you're a great fit for this uh, topic today, uh, especially just given the stuff that you have done uh, at Playtica and continue, continue to do now. So I guess, yeah, with that, we can jump into today's discussion. We'll start off with like the real basics over here because AI analytics is... Yeah, I guess it's a pretty, pretty new term for maybe the more more mass market portion of the industry. I guess it's been used in different companies in different ways. Like you mentioned, Daniel, with the AI solutions you were implementing in, in Playtica. But just to level set, let's just start off with the most basic question. Daniel, could you, you know, just define what is AI analytics and how does it differ, differ to the more... Um, 
for lack of a better term, traditional <laughs> analytics that uh, that's happening today. And yeah, and of course, if you could put it in the gaming industry's context, that would be perfect. Great. So I'll try to make it as simple as possible. I will neglect uh, the generative AI for now, because we are talking about AI analytics and less operational and cost-related projects. But if we are focusing on AI analytics, so traditional analytics, as I see it, is mainly descriptive techniques uh, aim to interpret what happened and maybe even why. Sometimes people also confuse some gut feelings inside, <laughs> but uh, usually the questions, the frameworks, the interfaces are dashboards, reports, in push or, or pull, but what happened and why in traditional manners. So this is uh, my point of view regarding uh, traditional analytics. AI analytics is a combination of techniques and models and algorithm used for different automations, optimizations. Some of them are real time, some of them are bad. It depends on the frequency, depends on the use case. But uh, the goal is to optimize something that a human can do, <laughs> but uh, he needs a lot of arms, a lot of eyes, and maybe we <laughs> need to duplicate him several times. So things like uh, predictions or relationships between entities, clustering, segmentation is well known in the in the gaming industry um anomaly detection sometimes in ford and others classifications uh, etc and if i think about uh, a nice uh, metaphor for 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 the differences imagine that you are running a restaurant and in traditional analytics you will see the inventory and maybe some peak days that are peaking and the best dishes and you will be able to optimize your restaurant according to past history and the knowledge that you have and common sense. With AI analytics, you have the ability, imagine that each client that enters the, the restaurant, he will have like a sticky note on his forehead that will say, what dishes did he like? Is a new user, old user, from where did he come from? How should we approach them? What should be the treatment? Not only to classify him, but maybe what do we think he should be presented with or the dishes that he liked or what is the biggest probability that he will continue and enjoy engagement and from the other right. side also increase revenues. And it's mind-blowing <laughs> the minute that people understand like what can we do with data. So these right. are like the main differences for mine. Okay, makes sense. So I guess, yeah, maybe to say that back to you, like going back to this Gartner's model, there's the there's the descriptive analytics and the diagnostic analytics, which kind of explains the what and the why. And this is more in the traditional analytics bucket. But then as soon as you get into the more predictive and the prescriptive analytics, which kind of explains the what will happen and how can one make it happen aspects of it, this is getting more into the AI analytics realm of things. And I guess, yeah, you hit on you hit on a few aspects of how the gaming industry already implements AI analytics in a few ways. But maybe Elad, you could maybe continue to outline current methods that the gaming industry is using, different companies, what they're using to to basically implement AI analytics, quote unquote, in their analytics operations. And, and yeah, what have also been more effective examples of its uh, application from your experience? I'm really happy that you said quote unquote, because AI became this bucket that holds a lot of things today. I can give yeah. you examples from Dive and the stuff that we do. And some of them was like were mentioned by Daniel already, so um, he knows it very well. Obviously, segmentation is definitely a huge segmentation and clustering is definitely a huge portion of uh, of actionable. I, I I like data to be actionable, like beyond the insight. That that's something that insight is amazing. That the descriptive part, but when you tie it back to an action then this is really where when you start to see the when you start moving the needle in a company and improving kpis so segmentation and clustering player behavior this is stuff that really helps a lot anomalies can save you a lot of money if you upload the bug to production <laughs> or send their own event and all of a sudden you get like the wrong uh, reporting 
And predictions, obviously, is, is a great tool as well. We love doing a lot of those um, things in dive, tying the predictions back to the UA, UA channels so that you can optimize marketing this way. But you can use it also for churn and a lot of other... Daniel had a great example. He spoke about that they did in Petika for customer support that he told me about a long time ago, which is really amazing use of predictions. But this is, I think, the more real examples, okay, beyond like putting chat GPT and asking them like, <laughs> like I'm not, not talking about the toys, talking about the real stuff that is actually being used by companies inside the games industry and also outside. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. And yeah, I would like probably agree with a lot of that. And I guess the kind of key takeaway is AI analytics. Uh, and this is the reason I put it uh, in quotes. AI, AI analytics has always been around. It maybe just wasn't uh, known <laughs> by this more buzzwordy uh, name, which uh, which is becoming more pop- popular now. But it's always been around in, in multiple shapes and forms. And but yeah, now that it can go so much further, given where AI as a whole is is going. But I guess from a company's perspective, before before anyone takes the plunge into into these AI analytics methods and and processes, they likely need to have the right foundation to build on in terms of your analytics stack and processes and teams and and such. So from a from a more uh, data anal uh, or data analytics lens, Daniel, what what do you kind of what do you kind of think needs to be true for a company before they can even start to consider AI analytics? Great question. Question, and it can lead to failure and success. In AI, from my point of view, you cannot push it into the entire flow, the roadmap immediately. You need to create sort of a, a pilot projects. Okay, imagine that you have a game studio and you have product managers and game designers, economy, monetization, everything is working and they want to add AI because everybody wants AI these days. <laughs> it would be very hard to integrate it immediately with uh, ETA and the, the, the nature of AI is iterations, exploration, explore versus exploit. Some of the segments will uh, experience a certain experience and the other uh, another one and you learn and evolve as you go. So to land it into a a running roadmap or ongoing roadmap, it will be quite hard. I have a few points that I think can help here. One is, first of all, management sponsorship, okay? Someone that has a, a wider view should want that and be able to, to invest in that. I'm not talking about bringing on PhDs and data and ML ops. You have different types of uh, team members these days that are related to our ongoing uh, working model or any other uh, AI-related workflow. But the, the management should be aware that they want to and also make it available for the entire uh, company that they want to integrate that. The second one is tech- technical foundations. Technical foundations both in AI and also in other analytics, data should be available uh, quite deep, okay? Usually, it's again, it's very gener- generic and, 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 and quality data. I think the most uh, problematic thing I see is that the entire analytic aspect, sometimes it's called tracking. I'm doing tracking. <laughs> I have that data somewhere. And hopefully you can do whatever you want over there. But the user is not a user. The session is not a user. When does the session end? You need a lot of, uh, it's not only the metadata, like how does the, the data look like, but what does he, it says? And the dive, I know they're doing it. We have also uh, data engineers. And you have like a profession that makes the data both available and something that you can gain insights from or information from the data. Right. So foundations, and you don't need the top tier uh, foundations, okay? You don't need, as a new game studio, you just need it to be organized, prepared, maybe uh, layers. Some data will be more available. 
and cleaner. Some of the data is less available, but still available. I, I remember in 2015, I don't know a lot if you remember, I, we had a great uh, data foundations and, and we understood that we need to answer. Uh, we wanted to create the first data science team. And we understood that we have questions that are coming or about come that we will not be able to answer. Why? Because we have a retention policy on data and we don't keep more than X days. Uh, some events, we neglect them as well. And I remember I, I, I flew to Argentina maybe to meet you a lot and we discussed about it. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time that we uh, initiated a data lake in 2015 that will enable a data science team both they had two two layers. One is the truth. Okay, the data warehouse, the model data, like the KPI, what is conversion, everything is already modeled and prepared, user attributes, etc. But also some more data like pop-ups that showed up. Usually much more data pop-ups yeah. or any event that happened in the cashier or different types of events because at the end in AI, you are creating a feature in engineering in most models. You are creating like attributes of your entities, for example, users. And those features have a, a, a big weight on the output. For example, churn prediction, okay, which is widely used. Um, you are creating different features, like what is the LTV of that user or what is the frequency in the last seven days, et cetera, et cetera. What is the More crash rate? Uh, uh, what is the crash rate? What uh, device type? You, you can create like thousands of, of, of features. But sometimes I noticed that the, the classical features we are all aware of, and uh, even a PhD that came straight or any other data scientist that came straight from the academy or another company can create the traditional uh, features. But the important features sometimes come from domain experts. Okay, like the game economy, or we had a psychologist we worked with, somebody that understands that we are talking about players. Players have their history. We need to think about those features in a more volatile method. And those features usually needed more and more and more data. So um, if you will have the foundations, the technical foundations of layers, uh, you will have a better chance to succeed in those projects. Right. Uh, I have two more points which are critical, same as okay. the, the previous one. One is choosing the right project. Uh, to do this high integration, sometimes it's like you have a lot of team members that say, oh, come on, it's hype, usually in games, by the way, because you have the product managers and the designers and they have their own uh, roadmap. So the way I found that has success in these scenarios is, is taking a, a working workflow, okay? With a feasible technical, uh, if you have missing data, I will not go and bring it. But we have the data, we have the use case, and we know how to compare. And 5% upgrade uh, in the KPIs will be beneficial. Those are the projects I would start with. If And I saw it that if you have success in these types of projects, immediately R&D will come to you and product come to you. And everybody wants to start and use it. I will start lean, small successful <laughs> maybe after yeah, a few iterations hopefully. <laughs> yeah. hopefully you don't need to use Wait, the state of the art there are a lot of models that are quite uh, even heuristics our first data science experience was based on heuristics and common knowledge with some uh, uh, technical uh, workflows but that is the way and the last one which is crucial everywhere is the right team i talked a bit about the domain expertise but also the technical aspects, like how to make it happen. Don't go straight to, to state of the academy related scientists. They, they can help. Sorry, Alain? No, I just, just on the team, I, I have a comment as well, but go on. It's okay. Maybe you're going to say. Anyway, the Venn diagram that you have the business aspect and the technical one and the analytical or, or, or mathematical. There is a Venn diagram when we're talking about the data scientists. At first, I think that the domain expertise has the most value, okay? And then supplement with the, the technical and the uh, mathematical aspects. And if we have success, that's the way to, to grow. Uh, so these are my points here. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think that's a great answer. Eli, do you wanted to say something about the team? Yeah, uh, about the team, I think that, uh, yeah, Daniel said it, but 
in uh, when it comes to data at, at, at that level right like beyond the basic reporting and insight there is a there is a kind of an art or a creative part that shows in because we tried I remember that we tried it, like data scientists they don't even play the game sometimes for them they just look at formulas and there are things that you must understand the game mechanic and sit down with the game designer or product manager to understand so th- that factor is also someone that can connect the dots that that has huge advantages beyond the whole phd and right. you know, math experts yeah. it, it, it can help but i i agree with the lot completely you need the the understanding Of the game understanding of of I, I I worked with some amazing brilliant guys and girls that came from domains not games that you need only to predict something okay if you predict you have success here we are talking about players maybe today he's after the Christmas sale and he's like <laughs> pay too much maybe uh, in your limitation you forgot to to take into account the hangover because they got more coins you need to take a few days after your experimentation. Maybe yeah. there is a challenging period in the game economy. So things are changing. You have like the action and the reaction. Yeah. And uh, it needs some flexibility and not flexibility and not only mathematics. Therefore, my suggestion is use the mathematics and the skills that are available as internally or externally, but create like a team that has domain expertise, technical expertise, and the addition of the mathematical expertise. Right. So just to kind of recap what kind of needs to be true for a company before uh, it can start considering AI analytics. Daniel, you had uh, four points. One is, the first one is basically first having a management sponsor so that there is support at the top for, yeah, for this movement towards it. Second is great, having great technical foundations. This includes both in terms of analytics technology, but also data depth and data quality itself. Then pick the right project, something where gains can be seen pretty quickly, implementations can be done quickly, efficiency is key, chances of success are high so that the management sponsor continues to sponsor it <laughs> and that, all of that. And then finally, there's the right team, which is, I guess, I guess this means more of the team that's actually working on the transition to AI analytics. Uh, but you also had, which I would probably say is a fifth point. This is something that you mentioned while you were explaining the technical foundations. I would probably call it like, you know, this broader team literacy, data literacy in a way, because if if the if the AI analytics team is going to be the one that that needs to go and talk to the economy designers and the game designers and get inputs from them also on what can be tracked, it would be great if the game designers and economy designers also are well versed with the data so that the conversation is actually easier with the data team. So, but yeah, I guess that would be my the summary. But yeah, I think that's like a great five point or four point with my extra fifth point uh, kind of a framework. <laughs> so yeah, let's maybe start looking into future a bit now. I guess, yeah, maybe this one is for Elad. Kind of given this uh, Gartner's framework that we discussed at the top of the show, And also just given how the discussion has has ensued right now, I guess it would be fair to say that we are we're not maybe too early, but we're still on the earlier side on as an industry on the path towards uh, AI analytics. But I guess the question for you is like how long do you think for like the more evolved state uh, of of this, how long do you think it would take uh, for us as an industry to get to that? that next AI analytics stage and also what what kind of needs to happen in the industry to accelerate that journey I am not really good with speculations I still cannot believe that this graph <laughs> that you sent was made in 2012 that, right. that's a really long time ago so it's really amazing I am I mean, I, I love reading about AI, I love the future, everything is nice, but I focus most of my energy on the problems of today and not uh, what will happen in five years from now. Probably Daniel will be able to answer that better. But if you look at this Gartner graph that was made in 2012 and you apply it to game studios, game studios are still struggling with basic reporting sometimes. <laughs> Really basic right. stuff. Um, and 
there have been so many like uh, ways and intentions and experiments and products to try and automate everything and invent some new Swiss army knife that will show this and show that and it and it it never works because it all comes down to the fact that games are so different from each other Slitica is a social casino it's like a lot of slot machines it's based on spins I speak with people that do puzzle games everything there is completely different we have a client that we just signed that are developing a mobile game this is like a completely different dynamic every Roblox as well Roblox is a completely different uh, animal as well. Yeah, so I think that if you look uh, in the broad way on the games industry, then maybe in industries that are more structured, like e-commerce or booking, it will be easier to move forward. But games are so unique that you just... Most of them are stuck in the really basic levels of data, and they cannot nail the foundation yet. Right. And they should. They should be there, like small startups. I, I come from the data domain, but all the time I'm taking the, the product. Product is the king from my point of view. Okay, <laughs> it's very strange that I'm saying it, but we can think together, we can make it happen, but the game designer, the product market fit, the... This is the first place to go. And then we are supporting with different, by the way, the holy grail of AI in gaming studios is when each and every department in each feature, they think about AI. How can we integrate it, our capabilities that we already proved that are working? How can we integrate them? But just decide. I seriously feel privileged that we managed to build that in Platica. Because we used to build features and they say, hey, let's maybe we can personalize this part of the feature. Maybe we can segment that part. There was a very whole healthy process there of um, incorporating data in feature building. And that is like, that's something that you can do now with the right team, the right technology will. By by the way, in Dive, you are closing the loop. It means that you have the descriptive analytics, the data pipeline, and your segments or decision you post back to the game server and then you can act upon with live operation, et cetera. So I think that's the place that current games should go. If you have insights, okay, right. or, or uh, decisions coming, you need to act upon them in real time, batch, I don't, I don't care how. And hmm. this is the first place to go to act upon your decisions and not only report Ren. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, yeah, sounds like still pretty early <laughs> on the journey to like more mass adoption of AI analytics across multiple gaming studios where it's almost like a table stakes kind of a scenario. I guess there's, there's a long way to go, but yeah, you know, I think it's, it's definitely helpful to understand what we need to get there. And I guess a lot of that is just has parallels with the, with like the four points that you mentioned, Daniel, right? Like those might be, <clears throat> even though those points are specific to a certain company, I mean, they're basically extendable to the entire industry also. But okay, yeah, the, great. The, uh, yeah. yeah the, the four points are can be integrated now. We can talk later about where are we going in the future in AI analytics, but the four points are four or five even you added some. should yeah. probably translate this podcast to an article and do like a post <laughs> on those four points. It will serve a lot of companies out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, maybe kind of moving on a little bit and maybe talking about like some more specific concepts within the AI analytics discussion. Yeah, there are there are like some pretty interesting concepts, but also inherent risks. For example, one interesting concept is just this idea of synthetic data, which is essentially artificially generated data that can be used to train machine learning models. But new concepts like this also increases risks around topics, maybe internal data literacy, maybe like different (laughs) teams are actually not comfortable training machine learning models on artificially generated data, things like that. But yeah, question to you, Daniel, how do you think AI analytics will maybe change the way we think about topics such as internal data literacy? And do you think concepts like synthetic data, for example, will grow to become more of a risk or a boon 
to kind of driving uh, business impact uh, in the industry. Great. So regarding data literacy, uh, I think it's a critical aspect of, of success in any organization. I have also customers, partners that work today, not only in the gaming industry, that the terminology is different. <laughs> like what are our KPIs? What is the data dictionary? I guess everybody heard about this domain. Uh, how do I look on data? Okay, maybe I can do, people need to understand how to work with data. And I don't have a secret clue, a secret tool or something that can make companies' lives better here, but I would invest time in that. From my experience, usually what I see is a bottom-up approach. People with your legs, you go and sit with the, the team members and present them the interfaces, where can they understand where data is and how to work with different tools like uh, Tableau, Power BI, like all the data interfaces for product managers that usually will not run SQLs or, or even then they need to understand how the data is built. A lot of presentations, uh, road mapping or where are we going? What can we do? As I said, the holy grail is everybody, everybody in the teams, all teams knows what do we have you will remove redundancy and duplications of, of and features, R&D and right. data. So you need the tools the, uh, to, to, to present the, the literacy. You need the organization to put it in focus, okay? What is conversion? Okay, what is retention? How can we impact? Why don't we look on uh, averages, okay? In, in games, as I said, things are volatile. We look on... on on different type of perspectives. We have the players, as I said. So the literacy is crucial. And unfortunately, I don't have a tool or a magic wand that will make things better. I would focus yeah. on that from the early stages. If you, if games will, not only games, if companies will do it from the early stages, it will be much easier to grow new team members and new features and everybody will talk in the same language. So this yeah. is regarding data literacy. Maybe there will be tools that will help and identify the chats and also create like a semantic layer. But again, these are dreams and nothing I can say for now. Right. Um, regarding synthetic data, I must say that I do have uh, experience here, uh, but we use synthetic data, which is like generating data according to past history, like what will happen in the future, but we didn't trust our results, okay? The only reason we used it is because feature was not developed yet and we want to synthesize like what's going to happen because we want to train the model, prepare it, there is code over there, there are iterations. We want it to be ready because time is, a mass, is, a, is an essence here. Right. And again, as I said, in the gaming industry, we are talking about players. We're talking about uh, winter and summer. People are <laughs> act differently. We have different psychological aspects or game-related aspects like after a sale, before a sale, specific country. We have like different things that it will be hard. I guess in the future, we see that everything is exponential. Maybe in two years, <laughs> we have the best solution for it. Uh, but for now, I think that uh, real data and, and, and accurate data, precise, because you right. want to act upon it, as I said, it's crucial. Yeah. And you can use synthetic data to solve technical, time-related challenges. Right. Okay. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. And especially just maybe just given where the industry is on this timeline towards an AI analytics future, I guess, yeah, getting those, getting the technical foundations and the data depth foundations right first is the most important before you're building artificial data on top of real data that is that does not exist as yet internally <laughs> in the company. So yeah, I think yeah that all, all of that makes a lot of sense. Maybe one more before like a final question, one more topic that's a little bit more out there. There's this other interesting concept of augmented analytics, which which I've uh, read about now. So again, like maybe question to Daniel, like what are your thoughts on this field of augmented analytics? First of all, what is it? Why is why why is it important, and and also like how do you think it'll be implemented in the games industry? Okay, this one is exciting, I must say. And in the last few months, one year, I also deep dive to try to understand where can we go. I also read the Gartner that seems to have good predictions. He's talking about augmented BI, augmented uh, analytics, 
with wide adoption in seven or eight years, something like that. But as we said, God knows. Uh, some ultimate knows, maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> the thing is, from and I have also some good friends that are, are, are investigating that area. I think this one is, is exciting and is very related. Augmented is to tools that will try and augment the current procedures that the internal team members at the end are producing. Okay, for example, the data pipelines and the, the, the data warehousing, on top of that reporting, answering questions with augmented procedures. Okay, it's very sci-fi for now. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but, but imagine that you will be able to talk with your data. This is the dream of anyone that needs to hire like a lot of data engineers and analysts. You can talk. Okay, I know there are startups in Israel, everywhere that are going for that path to talk with the data. But uh, so not only talking with it, you can like we all using ChatGPT, Bard and other platforms, the the, the chat works like from a user experience. People like it. They ask, they they are reiterate their question. They understand the question is not good enough. They add some more details. So. Imagine that you're asking, like, what was my playing DAO yesterday? Okay, and why do you think it dropped? Or is there any reason technical or untechnical? Maybe it's related to... And it will answer and present you graphs. Do you like those graphs? Okay, do you want me to send them on a periodical approach? So we can vision that, and I think it will be amazing. But there is a long, 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 long way (laughs) for that to happen. First... Those decisions are based on precision. Okay, you need to uh, act. You want to act. You're a product manager, game designer. I don't know any team member. Monetization, CRM. And if you will not trust your answers, it can happen with team members as well. But for now, I'm sure that the answers you cannot trust them. You can train the models according to your data, etc. But we're not there. This is the right. response I'm getting for people that are investigating it. Right. So this is one trust. Second one is is terminology. We talked about data literacy. Okay, there I see I meet a lot of companies, and one co- calculates uh, conversion in a certain way, and what is DAO and retention day zero? No, it's retention day one. But what is playing DAO? Did he act already? Did he activate the play button, or did he just had the loading? Like, so the terminology, the one source of truth that each organization these days really needs because. We're not there. You're laughing. So it's for now. Yes, it is tailor made. Mm-hmm. You can talk with the lad. You can talk with me. Well, how can we make it simple? How can we make it uh, like based on layers? That each time you have new use cases, you just create another layer, and you will be able to back to the game server, etc. Like every use case. But to trust completely as an organization on um, augmented BI, I, I I think it will come. It's running away, but the challenges are huge. And, and another thing which is important is cost. Okay, now everything yeah. is in the cloud and you are a big company or you have a lot of data because somebody understood that he needs the depth and the variety. And you ask a question, you don't know the impact of this question. That question will run now throughout all of your data, all your history will cost you like thousands of dollars and you get a question, (laughs) but you will be quite sad later on. So we have challenges. (laughs) We have challenges. Yep. All right. Makes sense. Ilad, anything to add add on this or? I know it just, it's, it's great. You know, I mean, I, I've learned so much. From Daniel, I think that he is the one that taught me all the basics when it comes to data. So I'm, I really love listening to him talk, and I, I see a lot of tools out there, and it kind of feels that we are almost there. Like it looks nice in, in a short YouTube video or something, but. Uh, from my point of view, it's kind of a toy in a way, because if I let you investigate what was my DAU yesterday, fine. And then I'll, I'll start adding more and more. I'll start making the questions more and more complicated. Then you will probably get some either wrong answers or uh, or, or won't get answers. And uh, I think that it's something that I see almost everywhere, that AI, like 
does a lot of heavy lifting, but there's always a human being on the other side that kind of reviews the final touch. And I see it in like a ton of industries and a lot of applications. Like they, like they let the AI model run, it finishes, and then a human being goes over it and says, okay, let's see, does it make sense? Does it not make sense? So it's, it's like a nice bot that helps ease, ease the, the pain of a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Regarding the cost, yeah. that, is, that is a beautiful, beautiful point that Daniel made. Uh, there are a ton of solutions out there because everything is in cloud, obviously, and uh, not everything. Many are declouding, actually, but that's a different topic. And uh, a lot of the databases and the data warehouses and data lakes are in the cloud, and they charge by queries and consumption. So the more queries and questions that you make, the, the bill goes up. And it's it's actually a really fascinating point that Daniel just made because I I see those I see those problems happening all the time and I get a lot of like companies that consult me about hey our data or infrastructure costs are you know spike to like insane like numbers and it's it's it doesn't make sense at some point cost aspects sometimes are misleading and should be <laughs> reviewed. But if we go, we went straight to the augmented AI. There is like uh, something that is happening now, uh, like the, the, those tools that are not there yet, like uh, automating everything, uh, can act really, really, really go good as uh, copilots. Okay, you have copilots. the human in the middle. He, he doesn't have the skills. He doesn't know how, for example, in A-B testing, do the proper user allocation or <laughs> what is the various... He doesn't know it. He can do it with his own heuristics. But these days, he can simply uh, iterate with several agents, try and find, look with his own skills and uh, partners, like, does it make sense? As we said, heuristics are good enough, usually from what I see in the early stages of, of game studios. But you have like a, a bigger time to market of different solutions. You have the missing skills, you can find them around with generative AI. So adding them as co-pilot in the processes of analytics is amazing and widely used. Is it co-pilots or compilers? I, I didn't catch that. Yeah, imagine that you have an analyst that is a pilot. <laughs> he has like yeah, a right. mission. And then you have like the AI uh, tools or the, you have the tools AI, yeah. pilots. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, encoding and R&D, classical R&D, they use it, uh, that terminology yeah. as co-pilot. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean... Uh, this is more like a broader point of at least how I see AI today. Maybe my take on this evolves over time. But honestly, yeah, for me, AI across anything that we are doing, it could be on the data side, on the creative side, or on the voice uh, side, whatever, is all just basically uh, an exoskeleton for our <laughs> ourselves in a way. So it, it doesn't like fully replace us, at least given its current form, but it augments us and like you said it's a co great co-pilot to have in the different situations <laughs> yes. and just increase and, then, and, but, and such no. I, I agree no. completely man and sorry but in creative and sound we have it already i know there are companies yeah. leonardo and other that you can integrate them you can see immediately the output you can understand is it faulty not fault you can have the decision with data god knows if the thing DAO is right or wrong <laughs> so this <laughs> is the difference the precision you can yeah you can accept a, a, a semi-precise, let's call it, a, a outputs from creative and sound. You can you can have your Content decision. generation is definitely is it is definitely way more advanced. You can yeah. build like level designs. You can puzzle games. This is all like uh, bots and AI, and it it works great. Yeah, that's another right. use case. Okay, yeah. great. But yeah, I think yeah, the future of being able to talk uh, to my data, it can mean many things, but all the possibilities I can think of of what it means, all of them sound very exciting. So I'm <laughs> generally quite excited to get to that place. But yeah, I mean, we are coming up on time. So maybe let's get to our final question over here. Maybe starting with you, Elad, what would, again, like since the uh, podcast topic is AI analytics, what would your one piece of advice be to game developers when they're thinking about moving closer towards this AI analytics uh, space in whatever form is viable today, no? So 
where and how to start, I will go back to the uh, four points framework of Daniel. Pick a project, make a quick test and see if it works or not. Like, uh, fail fast, like in, in, in any other uh, product building or feature. And as okay. for the Thank form, you. I think that, again, the foundation uh, for me is key because and with, with Dive, this is like the majority of the problems that we see every day in the present are foundation problems of data collection, curation, validation, cleaning. And this, uh, because everyone like, it's like data, data, it's such a data, AI, those are like great buzzwords, but then everything comes from some, like there's a source for all this information. Like you can, and if that source is inaccurate then everything you build on top of it, even if it, if it's a bot that you chat with, it will give you an inaccurate, like what, what was, how much did, was the revenue yesterday? Minus five because a developer sent, you know, like a bug in the event. <laughs> so it's like accuracy and the, getting the foundation right for me is like one of the biggest challenges. All right. So yeah, Daniel, same question to you. Uh, what would your one piece of advice be? I would go for um, starting small, but with impact. Okay. Imagine a small project of a current flow that uh, AI, data science or analytical uh, addition increased in three, three percentages, four percentages, immediately the entire organization will want to use those additions as well. So start small and look for impact. This is the place I would start. Right. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. And then build, build momentum over time. Exactly. Momentum uh, is a great word. Yeah. All right. I think that's a great way then to end it for today. Thank you again, Daniel and Elad for coming on. Daniel, if uh, listeners want to get in touch with you and learn more or yeah, potentially even work with you, how should they do? So? You can contact me in my LinkedIn profile, Daniel Berdichevsky. There are not a lot Daniel Berdichevsky around. Uh, I'll be happy to assist wherever I can. Thank you. Bye. All right. Perfect. And Elad, if listeners want to get in touch with you and uh, potentially work with Dive, how can they do so? Well, my LinkedIn, obviously, Elad Levy, and my personal email, Elad at uh, dive.games. And I can also help if it's an easier way to remember that email, I can connect them with Daniel. all right perfect great so thank you again for the conversation and thank you listener uh, for tuning in Uh, this is also going to be my last episode for the year uh, but i'll see you again in 2024 Uh, until then i hope it's been a fruitful 2023 uh, for everybody hope you have a great holiday break and if this conversation is any indicator of the exciting things to come to our industry in 2024 and beyond. I hope you're as excited as we are as we enter into the new year. If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at novic.co or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novic has to offer, make sure to check out our website, www.novic.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novic Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novic.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.